was cool to have Bernie Marcus. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about George Soros at the end of the show. You're talking about the uh, the opposite side of that 90-year-old coin. Boy, you ain't kidding. <laughs> I mean, totally different guy who's done a lot of good things yeah. for the world. Bernie Marcus is the co-founder of, uh, of Home Depot. He's a little outspoken uh, right now. He's very concerned about the free market and our freedom. Uh, and is, I mean, listen to him at 93 and then listen to our president. There's just no comparison. Just no comparison. No. Um, and uh, and he's he's sharp with it and knows what knows what the price is that we're about to pay. You don't want to miss that with the uh, co-founder of Home Depot, Bernie Marcus, on today's uh, podcast. Um, also, we really kind of gave you an in-depth look at what is coming with the Federal Reserve, the Fed. Now it's a new program that is definitely. Not the mark of the beast. It's definitely not cryptocurrency from the Fed. No, no, no. This is an alternative to central bank digital currency. Is it now? We also have Justin Haskins on to talk about that uh, and to give you real indication on what's coming from the Fed. And we announced the latest in the Great Reset series. It's called Dark Future. We talk about that on today's podcast brought to you by American Giant. In the 1960s, 95% of the clothing that Americans bought was made right here in America. You can't get Levi's made in America and it's not made with cone denim anymore. I know. They're off in China. They're making crap denim in my opinion. If they would move 5% of their jobs back to America... Do you know what a difference and an impact that would make? That's really the message from American Giant. They are all about American workers and the products that they make. And they're trying to set a good example. And they're really begging, even their competitors, come back to America and help save this country. They began in 2012 when a clothing factory in North Carolina was going to shut down. They worked on the factory and they worked with the people of the factory and they invested in new machinery and skill development. Ten years later now, they make the best sweatshirts and hoodies that you'll ever own and a lot of other quality clothing. Everything with cotton that's grown here in America, milled in America, cut and sewn, assembled all here in America, thanks to American Giant. You pick the right place to buy your clothing when you sign up and get online with American-Giant.com. That's American-Giant.com. Make sure you add the slash Glenn at the end and you'll get some discounts. American-Giant.com slash Glenn. Here's the podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. All right. Justin Haskins is uh, with us. Justin is um, the uh, social. He's with the Socialism Research Center at the uh, Heartland Institute, where he is the director. He has been working uh, tirelessly on stopping uh, socialism. He is also he was one of our uh, main uh, contributors to our arguing with socialist book. Um, he is also my co-author of the book, The Great Reset and our fourth coming book. We're all going to die. I'm not sure exactly what we what did we name it? 
Justin, I, that was my working title for quite some time. Have we? T- are we telling people? Is this the first time? I don't know. Can we? Is it? Oh, you know I, what? I, check well, somebody. Hang on. Check know. Amazon. See if it's up for sale. <laughs> if it's up for sale, we'll announce it. I, it's supposed to be in the next few days. The, the um, name of the book. No, no, no. Don't say book. it. Don't say it. Oh, okay. Don't right, say it. Right, okay. So, uh, Justin, you wrote to me something kind of disturbing. Uh, last hour, I uh, I played these happy little commercials from the Federal Reserve uh, about the Fed now, it's a new service for all of the banks, which will which will make the transfer of funds, you know, whether you're out shopping or you're a business owner or you're doing bank to bank transactions, you just run everything through the Federal Reserve and it'll happen fast. And I thought, yeah, isn't that exciting? It's very exciting. Now, they're claiming that this is uh, this is the alternative to a CBDC, which is a central bank digital currency, doesn't really sound so much like a alternative as much as a, uh, I don't know, system to run that on. Yeah, I mean, basically, this is... This is like uh, Jason Betrell, your your head researcher, because he and I are now best friends, and we exchange emails all the time. Yeah. He's, my, he's my best. <laughs> he came up with this great analogy. This is like the drug dealer who's new on the block, and he's not just going to start injecting people with heroin. That's not how you sell lots of drugs. That's not how you do it. First, you get them hooked. You just give them a little taste. And then after they get a little taste, now they're hooked. Then you can start really pushing the hard stuff. That's what this is all about. Okay, the Federal Reserve is basically a drug pusher. Okay, and this is the start of it. Normally, regular folks like you and me and people in the audience, we don't interact with the Fed. We're not used to that. We don't like the Fed. We don't trust them very much. And so what they want to do is say, just have a little taste. You'll see. It's going to be great. Just have a little taste. This is a, this is a stepping stone to a CBDC. This is our first interaction to using the Fed directly so that we can become more comfortable with it. So it's normalized. And then after this, you're going to get a central bank digital currency. We already know this because there's a billion government reports talking about how they're going to design it, what it's going to look like, why people should use it, what the principles should be behind it, all of that kind of stuff. So we know a CBDC is coming. This is just the first step in that process to try to normalize people interacting directly with the Fed in this sort of high-tech instant transfer payment uh, portal. So we've been talking about the Uniform Commercial Code, which is complicated and it's 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 usually nothing anyone should ever have to think about. However, they have included central bank digital currency as the new definition of money. But money makes us think of money that you can take from the bank that you own it. You get paid. You get to do what you want with it. But central bank digital currency is not really money, correct? Yeah, what's happening in uh, more than 20 states across the country right now, and it's going to happen in all 50 states eventually, is lawmakers are looking at updating the Uniform Commercial Code so that a foundation is being laid for a future central bank digital currency. And not just any kind of central bank digital currency, but a central bank digital currency that is programmable. 
trackable, that you, you won't have any privacy with the things that you're doing with the CBDC, that it can be controlled and manipulated. This kind of thing is actually being written into the code. They don't use the word central bank digital currency, but they, but they outline it in such a way so that that has to be what they're talking about. So it's not creating the CBDC. That's not what this is no. aiming to do. It's just laying the foundation to make it easier to use it in certain kinds of commercial transactions. So, so people know, and this is what you really have to understand, this is not like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is such a danger because you get to do with it what you want to do with it. And the Federal Reserve is not aware of anything and can't do anything. You have the ultimate power with your money. The opposite is true with the, uh, the Fed coin that they will be introducing. And this what is what makes it so dangerous, not just the tracking they not will not just know absolutely everything that you spend, but Justin just said a key word that most people don't really understand. It's programmable, meaning it is programmable for the individual. So in other words, if the government decides that they're going to, uh, you know, we need to get we need to cut down on fat, fat fatties, then my digital coin will not allow me to buy fatty foods. I wouldn't be able to go to McDonald's. I'm using this as an example. There is not you know, anything in the works to do this, except this is what programmable means. They can program it. So if they say, you know what? Nobody's going to work. Uh, you're not an essential employee. Your coin will not buy gas. So you can go to try to fill up, but when you put your digital card in from the Fed, it will say denied. And you won't have any way other than that card to be able to buy what you need. It is absolute control of your life. Yes, that, that, is, that is exactly right. And there actually has been things, statements that have been made by the Biden administration itself where it is it's said as part of its uh, report studying CBDCs and the benefits of it and how it would be designed if it were going to make a CBDC, even though they haven't committed to doing that exactly, they've, they've done all the groundwork for it. They've said flat out that a CBDC needs to account for climate change. It needs to have financial inclusion built into it. It needs to have equity built into it. It needs to uh, have uh, concerns about pollution built into it. They have worked with uh, hundreds of stakeholders, and we all know what that means, nonprofit groups and labor organizations and others Community to activists. help design the CBDC. So why are they doing all of that? Because it's going to be programmed so that you can use it in certain ways uh, so that it can be prohibited in other ways, and it can change on a dime. See, that's the other important thing. It's not when it's programmable, they can change the rules whenever they want. It's not as though they set the rules at the beginning and that's the rules forever. They can change the rules as they go. That's the threat of a programmable currency. So it is a huge threat to, to, to liberty. And all they will concentrate on is the one fact, and mark my words, this way it's going to happen. We're going to have a banking collapse. Your, um, because there's a banking collapse, that will cause the uh, dollar to skyrocket in inflation, possibly hyperinflation, because you won't be able to have a supply chain anymore. So many people will be unemployed. There's so much money awash that if you want to buy something, well, you got a hundred bucks, 
yeah, I'll buy that for $100. And it might be something that was worth $4 before the collapse. And people will pay it. Hyperinflation will go crazy. The Fed will say, look, we got to stop this. Inflation is too much. We're going to give you a digital currency. It's already in a bank with your name. All you have to do is sign in and it will give you the money. And that's what's going to control inflation. How do we know this? Because we wrote about it in arguing. I believe it was in arguing with socialists, um, a chapter that we almost didn't put in on modern monetary theory and modern monetary theory is what we're operating on. We can spend as much money as you want. Don't worry about inflation. If they have digital control of everyone's spending. Right. Exactly right. We talked about it both in arguing with socialists and the Great Reset. It's a huge part of, of, of both socialist plans and Great Reset elites plans, and those are not necessarily the same groups. Uh, but there's no doubt about it that that's the goal. So why are there 20-some-odd states in the United States right now? Many of them are red states. Texas, Kentucky, Arizona, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Missouri, Montana, Arkansas, etc. Why are they all doing whatever they possibly can on the UCC code, updating it to make it at least a little bit easier for a CBDC to be utilized in the future when a CBDC doesn't even exist yet? Why would they be doing that? That, that is a really, really important question. But it's much worse than everything that we've said so far. And that's that having worked with these lawmakers across the country, uh, we've started to discover things in the UCC and the commercial code that are incredibly, incredibly disturbing things that most of us just didn't realize were true. And if CBDCs happen, uh, we're in for a world of hurt that we, we didn't see coming. And, and the reason for that is because under commercial code, when you take money, like if you have cash right now under the current code, and you go to the bank and you put money in the bank, that money is no longer your money. Correct. That money actually now is owned by the bank. You Hang don't on just a second. Money. This is why you and this changed, this part of this changed in 2008. You are the lender of uh, last resort, right? You are the last person in line to get money if you have deposited into the bank. Because the bank, when you give them that money and deposit it, they are then taking that money. They don't have to ask for permission to loan it out. They take that money as theirs and they loan it out. So what happens to your money? Well, you don't have money. You, what you have is a number in the bank that the bank can now give back to you. Or if they go belly up, well, then you lose your money because uh, it wasn't yours anyway. Correct? Yes, it's not your money. It's owned by the bank now. Now, you can go to the bank and say, I want my money back, and then they hand you the money back in cash, and you can walk out the door, and that money is yours. You own that money. But here's the thing about a central bank digital currency, and this is what we're beginning to learn, how the commercial code deals with that. When You, you can't put central bank digital dollars okay, a digital Fed coin, you can't put that in your pocket and walk out the door, can you? It has to be somewhere. It can't be in your actual possession. Well, and because but wait, of that, a Bitcoin you can put on a thumb drive, and so you can walk away with it. Yes. But digital but currency, central bank, no? 
Correct. They're not going to design it so that you can put it into a hard drive or something like that. But even if, but even if they did, the uniform, and that's why they're updating the uniform commercial code the way they are, they're putting rules into place so that you could use a CBDC even if it is possible to download it onto a hard drive or something like that. But the lawyers behind the uniform commercial code acknowledge in their various meetings and comments and other things that it is highly unlikely that a CBDC would ever be designed in that way. It's not, you're going to have to put it into some kind of account. So what does that mean? What it means in effect is that all of the money, all of the CBDC money that exists in society will be owned by whoever owns the account which means the Fed or the bank or whoever is designated by the federal government to operate that system. But you, the individual person, will not own any money. The money will belong to someone else. It will not belong to you. You will not own it. Under the commercial code as it is written right now, forget about what they're revising it to. Under it right now, you would not own any money. It would all belong to someone else. So forget about whether it's programmable from a design perspective. In practice, it's not going to be your money anyway. And so how can you not think uh, of, of that famous article for the World Economic Forum we've talked about a thousand times, in the future, you will own nothing and you'll have no privacy. Well, it seems like that is exactly what the purpose of this is. So it is not enough to simply kill the UCC bill updates that we're talking about all across the country. That is essential, but we need to do more than that. We need to rewrite that code so that CBDCs cannot be used in a variety of other contexts as well. All right, Uh, Justin, we have... um... We've been talking about the UCC code, and we've been telling people not to allow it to pass. Now you've been working with legislatures uh, all over the country, and these legislators are telling you, no, there's much more to the code. We have to change it. Would it be better just to go for states passing law that CBDCs cannot be used for commerce? So it's, it's a really complicated question because there are all sorts of issues related to the Constitution and who has the authority to regulate money and whether or not a state can even pass a law that outright rejects the use of, of an established currency. form of money at the federal level, because it's a federal responsibility to coin money. Of course, there are people who say, well, yeah, but coining money means physical money, not digital money. And so maybe they are allowed to do it. And so I think it's, there's a lot of open questions about that, that we don't necessarily know. I think that the, the most effective thing that legislators can do, and legislators actually do not know a lot of the things that I've, t- I've told you today. No, I've gotten that from a lot of UCC lawyers, uh, actually. But um, what they need to do is they need to focus first. In my opinion, I think Americans would be much better off if lawmakers killed the UCC bills. Okay, if they killed the UCC bills uh, to update them right now, they would be much better off. But then they also need to update the UCC and all other state laws that they can possibly find in ways that would make it so that a central bank digital currency uh, is undermined in the state in financial transactions. For example, can you use a CBDC, a a programmable digital currency, uh, when you're using for collateral in a loan, let's say. Right. Okay. State laws dictate some of that. 
This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. So uh, yesterday, I uh, I tweeted and put something I think on Instagram, um, a video of my my wife uh, and I went shopping at Costco yesterday, and so I just uh, I just tweeted, uh, not saying you should go to Costco, but I'm not not saying it either. Um, yeah, just assuming like a dummy that people would understand that I'm concerned about the banking system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just a good idea to stock up on aspirin and children's Tylenol and allergy medicine and things that, you know, you're going to need. If there's a breakdown of the supply chain, you don't want to be without medicine and toothpaste and things like that. Sure. So that's what I did yesterday. Uh, and then immediately it caught fire with Glenn Beck is suggesting that there will be so much unrest due to Trump being indicted that people should stock up on essentials. You you suggested that? <laughs> That's what I suggested, apparently. Mm. So uh, that was what I was really worried about. It had nothing to do with the banks. Uh, nope. Uh-uh. Had nothing to do with that. I feel like that was in the news. People uh, may have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It might have been something that I've been known to talk about uh, being prepared. Um, and speaking of that, I have the results of this audience. And I think it's going to shock you. Uh, This audience, we took uh, a poll of 10,000 audience members. How prepared are you? Now, we took this last week. Stu, you didn't didn't get a chance to participate, darn it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for mainly entertainment purposes, uh, I thought we would uh, have you take the poll. Uh, (laughs) How much food do you have saved with a long shelf life? Uh, I only order takeout. Maybe till the end of a work week. At least two weeks worth of food. My food stockpile can last several months. That's three. Uh, I'm good for at least a year. I mean, definitely at least two weeks. I would say the question is, can I get to several months? And I think, can you get several months? Three. I think I could get to I I'll go with that one. I think I could get to that. I have I do have a, a um I had a place in order a couple of years ago of my Patriot supply. Got some stuff. For what? Like your 48 hour kit for my no, Patriot supply. No, it was supply. like a big a couple of big boxes. Okay. It's got lots you have of packets no idea. in there. Do you even know where exactly. they are? Yeah. Oh boy. They're yes, I I loosely they're in what I know kind of where they are. Okay. How much I can find them in a pinch. <laughs> how much bottled water do you have stored in case of an emergency? Mm. Tap water doesn't count. None. I'd be dead within three days. I have a large pack of plastic water bottles from my kids' soccer games that could last okay. a couple of days. Definitely at least this high. I have a few Costco-sized water bottle packs that could last a week or two. My water stockpile could last several months. I'm good for at least a year. There's a big gap between a couple weeks and several months. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm falling in that window quite a bit because I do have a few... Of those big uh, water cooler jugs? Yeah. You know, I kept, yeah, we had yeah, a water yeah. cooler for a while. We don't have it right. anymore. But I kept a bunch of the extra bottles just in case, because I was thinking about you. You're always talking about so how we need when, things. So when, let's say, power goes out, yeah, you'll be able to not fill those right away. No, they're filled. Oh, they're filled. They're sealed. Good for you. First, when they were first Good delivered. You. Good for you. Now, then you probably have a better water supply than I have. Really? Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, I, I knew I'm it. I'm the one who's prepared around here. Oh, well, I... Anyway, um, how many of the following basic supplies do you have? Mm-hmm. A flashlight with extra batteries. 
I probably yeah, almost I'm definitely. Like a battery central man. Yeah, my, my wife, wife has is like batteries, uh, battery powered solar powered radio, solar powered radio, radio or battery powered radio. I might have that. Cell phones mm-hmm. and chargers. Yeah. Cell phone, cell phones and chargers. Yes, I've yep. got cell phones and chargers and uh, matches. Hey, we have a few lighters. Yeah, does that count? Well, I guess. Doesn't yeah. say lighters, but but yeah, matches. I mean, yeah. I think I was pretty good on that okay. one. I, yeah, you know. okay, yeah. Um, I mean, how this is, secure, I'm basically a prepper. It's what we're learning. Here. Uh, uh, mm? uh, <laughs> how secure is your home or your shelter? Not prepared at all. I have a fireplace and firewood. Okay. Yeah. I do have so, a fireplace. Yeah, but it's gas, isn't it? Uh, I do have a gas fireplace. Yeah. I do have a, a, a out, out, uh, uh, we have like one of those little outdoor fire pits. Does uh-huh. that count? I got it's got a propane tank. No, no, it really no. doesn't. Okay. No. Uh-uh. All right. We can bring, we can move, slide that right into the house. What could go wrong? Yeah. I have an alternate source of heat to cook food, like a charcoal grill or camping stove. That's there you are. I have a gas grill. Um, in addition to a heat source, I have a backup generator in case of power outages. Uh, I, have, I have a very, I have a little backup generator. Okay. We used it because we lost power. Right. And I was able to power the refrigerator for like eight straight there hours. Go. There you go. We didn't lose our food. Yeah. I have an entire bunker that's ready to go if power goes out. Uh, I do not have that. You do not well, have I, that. Well, I have that. That's Glenn's house. Yeah. We think of Glenn's oh, house I as have our guns bunker. If I wouldn't have lost them in that. That's why I'm happy you accident. lost them in the fishing right. accident. Because now I can come over and you probably won't shoot at me at least early how strong is your emergency fund this one i is really in, very important mm. because if the banks go down which do not panic all you have to do is prepare if you have enough money for a few days of what it would cost to you know get gas and food or whatever you should have that in cash be great to have you know your monthly bills in cash for a month okay but you should have some cash just in case there's a banking holiday. <laughs> I love that. I mean, if the banks collapse, or I mean, I'm not paying bills. What are they going to do? Uh, I just tell them the banks collapse. Sorry, I can't right. make those payments. Okay. How strong is your emergency fund? I don't have an emergency fund. My emergency fund can cover one to two months of expenses. This is not cash on hand. This is what you would have in the bank. Okay. Three to five months of expenses. Six to eight months of expenses. A year's worth of expenses. I mean, I could go easily into multiple years. So yeah. I got it all stored over at FTX. I don't remember. I haven't checked it in a while. But. Uh, how much do you have invested in silver, gold, or other precious metals? None. I bought half a gram of silver just for kicks. Precious metals are a small part of what I have. Precious metals, medium, or precious metals, large part. Ooh, uh, you know, I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, this is entertainment purposes. This is entertainment only. purposes. My social say, security number is that yeah. the next question on this. How many of these barter skills do you know? Oh gosh, Ooh, I was bad on this one. Mm. Carpentry, sewing, <laughs> auto repair, medical expertise, mm. or zero. When when do you get to talk on radio? Yeah. <laughs> that's that? zero. Okay. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. zero. I had to punch zero on that one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, zero how much that. emergency fuel do you have stored for your car? None. I have an extra gallon of gas in the garage. I have enough extra gas for last a month. Gas stored for last. What do you do? Six months. What are you supposed to do with extra gas? You put I, it I, in. You put it in. You know, plastic containers. Yeah. The big red plastic yeah. containers. Okay. And then what? And then you. 
you fill them up, uh-huh. and then over about a two-month period, you cycle through that gas. So if you need gas instead I've of- I've read horror stories about the- Because I had the, the- Because we lost power, I had to go get gas at the, you know, for yeah, the generator. Yeah. Right. And I, I did that. And then I had left- Once the power came back on, I had leftover gas. Right. And then I, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do with this gas? And then I started, re- I went online. I made the mistake of searching for what I should do. And it was like, your house will burn down if you keep this gas anywhere within 500 feet of your home. Stop. That's basically what they said. So then I just started, I just started running my car in the driveway, burning gas and filling it back up. <laughs> <laughs> That's legitimately what I did. That's really like, what I, you did? I, just, I just ran my gas in the driveway for like eight straight hours and just kept filling it up until I if burned all the gas shed, into the atm- directly into the atmosphere. If you have a shed or something like that just keep it in in the shed then the shed burns down that's right. what the online then there'll said. be an explosion uh how well do you know how to use a paper map ah, I could, i'm good at that hopeless that. without an iphone could possibly navigate to the other side of the neighborhood navigate around a new city can handle long-haul roadmap trips with a paper map uh, I'm, uh, I'm Bear Grylls. Drop me in the middle of Mo- uh, Mongolian desert with a map and a compass, and I can find my way back to civilization. I mean, I probably am not to that level, but I can read a paper map. I will say this is the same thing that's going to happen with AI. I was thinking of you the other day when I was thinking of this, because uh, what happened from maps to GPS is about, is about what's about to happen with our like writing skills. Everything. 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 Yeah. You're not going to do any of it anymore. Yeah. You're just going to look. You're going to... Click AI. You're gonna click Chat GPT. It's gonna write something up. You're gonna glance at it. it. You'll go. I need report for school. (laughs) Yes, we got it. Idiocracy is going to happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. All right. Did you did you actually take it and click on it? Oh, I thought you were doing it. No, I was doing it for me. You. I'm Mad Max, by the way. One hundred percent. You have with no skills. No skills. Anyway, I'm quickly going through. You go through it. Ten thousand people took the quiz in this audience. Where do you think most of this audience is? Uh, I mean, I would think you'd think this audience is super well prepared, right? So 1.7 are toast. (laughs) (laughs) You won't survive if your kitchen table breaks. Okay. Mm. It's like, I don't know what to do. I had to eat the children. Uh, So let's... 1.7 1.7 that took it not prepared at all. 13% could survive a mild disaster. Uh, they've tucked um, you know, some finances away for emergencies. They have useful tools or skills um, you know, and a little bit of food. Um, most of this audience could survive a big disaster. In fact, 69.8% of this mm. audience. Congratulations. You have some investment in precious metals, an emergency fund, some food and supplies stockpiled, maybe an extra generator. Even though you may not be a prepper, you've taken steps to prepare for hard times, which will protect you and your loved ones for weeks, even months. That's 70% of this audience. Hmm. Uh, and then there's, then there's this um, Mad Max category of f- 15%, 14.7%, 15% of this audience is Mad Max. Um, you're one of the few people uh, who could actually survive a nuclear apocalypse. Uh, there, you know, there's few. That I bet you in the general population, I can't even imagine what one percent less than one percent. Your bunker is stocked with food, water, supplies to last you months. 
Silver Gold Emergency Fund will help you cruise in times of financial distress. You can secure more goods because you have learned a bunch of barter skills. You are Mad Max. It's great. Now, if you haven't taken this test, you could just take it for yourself now. But we have the ultimate preparation uh, guide, which is filled with really easy. Do this. Do you have this? Just a checklist. And you can go as far as you want on the list. But it is a really easy guide to be prepared for whatever may come your way. Um, Go to glenbeck.com now and uh, see how prepared you actually are. Uh, and then prepare. If you want that list, you can find it at glenbeck.com. I think it's it's no longer on the front page, so I think you have to go down at glenbeck.com and click on, what is it, extra stories or something like that. Um, if you just go to the front page, let me see what it says. You'll, you'll load more yeah, load, content. Load like. more content. It's mm-hmm. right before my big fat face with the radio and TV on it. Uh, load more content. Hit that, and then you'll find it on that second page. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I don't think, I mean, usually I introduce somebody and I'll say, hey, he's the co-founder of uh, Home Depot. But this man's uh, accomplishments are just astounding. Um, By the time he was 15, he held he had already held more than a dozen jobs. He had joined a gang, worked as a hypnotist in the Catskills. He's a son of a cabinet maker and garment worker. His dad survived the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, which is incredible in and of itself. He became uh, somebody who is well known what he did. Uh, he is the guy who co-founded Home Depot. It, things were so bad the first day on opening day that his wife said, you're not shaving. Because she said, I don't want a razor anywhere near you. <laughs> your throat from there they've gone to 500,000 associates 2300 stores um and this is a guy that was a son of a russian immigrant who just believed in the united states being that golden land he has since retired from home depot and he and his wife billy started the marcus foundation they have given more than two billion dollars in grants they're both uh, strong believers in, you know, helping out as much as you possibly can. The Marcus Institute has programs for children with disorders of the brain. Um, it also has they also have the Autism Center, which offers expanded services for children with autism. He has founded or funded the Grady Health System for the Marcus Stroke and Neuroscience Center, the Marcus Trauma Center, the Piedmont Heart Institute. He established the nation's first heart valve reference center, um, MDA out of Israel. He, he partnered with them to build a critically needed new national blood center in Israel. Um, he created Project Share to ensure that the members of the military and veterans get diagnosed and cared for without any financial constraint by underwriting the housing, transportation, and care costs of any military personnel with brain or spinal injuries who are sent to Shepherd Hospital. He founded the Nanotechnology Research Center building at Georgia Institute of Technology. He's the guy who's responsible. He and his wife created the Georgia Aquarium. It's the largest aquarium in the world. 60 exhibits, 550,000 square feet, 10 million gallons of water, 125,000 animals, and it's the world's only 
aquarium and vet medicine teaching hospital in the world. He funded and created the Jobs Creator Network, a group of current retired CEOs and entrepreneurs who have come together to preserve the free enterprise system uh, during the pandemic. He uh, granted money to uh, study the effects of high doses of vitamin C. Uh, also, for those who have issues that prevent the use of hydro- hydroxychloroquine, he created a clinical trial for blood tests for Corona-19 antibodies. He supported two hospitals that opened floors specifically for the coronavirus patients. Um, his job creators network was instrumental in securing funding and for small and medium sized business. Um he was also, he and his wife, Billy, one of the first to sign the giving pledge. My gosh. Oh, and he has a new book out. Uh, he came out last year. Kick up some dust. Lessons on thinking big, giving back, and doing it yourself. What an honor to welcome Bernie Marcus onto the program. Hi, Bernie. God, uh, Glenn, I'm worn out just listening to you <laughs> on the introduction. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's an incredible life. An incredible life. Wow. Thank you. Well, well, you look, you know, uh, you're put on this earth for a very short time, and you're hoping that you're going to do the best you can, and uh, God willing, uh, you're able to do it. Now, we grew up very poor. My parents... We're Russian immigrants. Uh, we lived in a fourth-floor tenement in Newark, New Jersey. And to say we were poor would be an understatement. It's, it's, we virtually had nothing. And in those days, they didn't have the umbrella. You didn't have food stamps. You didn't, they didn't give out, you know, cell phones to people. Uh, we just made it if we, my father didn't. Uh, and he was a lousy businessman and a great carpenter, but not a good businessman. If he didn't make any money, we didn't eat. And it was as simple as that. But I, one thing we had, we had the family, and we had the love in the family. And my mother, who really ran the family, you know, believed in America, and she thought this was the golden land. And she kept saying to me, no matter what you want to be, you can be it in America. This is the golden land. And she was 100% right. And she said, if you work hard and you keep focused and you don't let the, the, uh, bad problems affect you and knock you down, if you keep going, that you will be successful or whatever you want to be. She said, you could be the president of the United States. Although, why, Glenn, why would I want to do that? <laughs> no, not, Jeez, uh, my, my, yeah, I know. God, it, I know. I mean, what Trump is going through is unbelievable. I, 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 I am just like you. I am so worried about um, freedom and the free market, the ability to think and become. It's all going away so quickly, and it just seems like America is asleep or they don't realize that it won't always be like it was you know i think people have this ah well these things happen and you know uh, no we're on the verge of losing everything that our founders worked for and people like you built over the last 250 years well i'm sorry to say that you're probably right you know i'm 93 years old and I've lived through so many administrations, uh, Republican, Democrat, 
And uh, I never thought that the world could change so quickly in two years. Uh, Biden got into office, and he is extreme, extreme in every every day way you could think of. And I'm a great believer in the capitalist system. I think capitalism built America, yeah. made us the strongest land and uh, country in the world. That's why people have come across the border. They want to come here, and they want to have their own American dream. It's the only place. You can't have it in India, China, or Russia, or, you know, uh, Venezuela. Even Europe. Or the U.K. or anywhere. Yeah. And you can, ha- you can have it here as long as you believe in what you want and what you're doing well, and work hard. But that's not the case anymore. I was going to say, could you, is it true? Because could you start Home Depot today uh, like you did, I, you know, back when you started it? I don't think so, Glenn. And, and I think the reason is uh, the, the, they have so many uh, obstacles for small businesses. We're a small business. And uh, that's why I started Job Creators Network, to protect small businesses, because I know it's the backbone of America. You know, 70%, about 70 million people work in small businesses. I mean, I'm talking about the pizza shop, the cleaning store, the drug store. Uh, these are all small businesses. And we never had the, re- the, the regulations that they have today, and what he's trying to do, and I'm talking about Biden now, and the Democratic Congress, they want to pass laws that raise taxes that'll knock out half the Americans or half the small businesses in America. They're not going to survive. They can't survive now. They can better. They they're barely making it now because they can't find people that want to work. I mean, think about this in America. You can't find people that want to work. And it's amazing, you know, why would people work when they, in some cases, with uh, two, two in a family and maybe a couple of kids, you can make eighty, ninety million, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year sitting on your, your rear end on, at home and not working. So um, the American dream is starting to fade. And it's it's shameful. And kids coming out of college that are being taught these woke policies believe in socialism. And they did a survey. I think there were 35 percent believe that socialism is better than capitalism. And let me tell you something. Capitalism is what made the Home Depot. If we weren't able to sell stock on a street, because when we opened, when we opened the store, I'm talking about the first Home Depot store, we were terribly un- undercapitalized. And the only thing that kept us alive was being able to go to the capital markets and raise money. And we did that. And today, you know, Home Depot is, you know, $100 billion in sales plus uh, 500,000 associates in the United States, in Mexico, in Canada, in Guam, and in Hawaii, and is a very profitable company. But if you look at what they're trying to do uh, with this ESG, which is, you know, they're they're now doing it with the financial institutions, and with the uh, 
investment funds, uh, we're going to destroy America. They're killing off the goose, and I don't get it. Why, why would they want to do this? That's, I think, why so many people um, don't understand or don't accept uh, anything as a plan. They just think maybe this is incompetence, maybe. But it, there's too much that has happened for, you know, anybody's batting average to be that bad unless it's intentional. And what they're doing is resetting capitalism they're resetting it to a uh, a stakeholder capitalism and the stakeholders are the businesses the community leaders if you will uh and um and the government and they're directing us into this this new system and destroying the value of our dollar to be able to reset into something that they have more control over it's uh it's something that you know, I don't think people really, you know, most people are not are not evil. Most people aren't really even bad. So they, when they see somebody who's doing something that is really bad or evil, they, they have a hard time accepting it because they'd be like, why? People don't do that. Why would they do that? But power and money well, and greed, powerful. Yeah, I, I, I think that many people, I'm talking about the invest the uh the American people today uh, are are really thinking with their hearts, yeah. but they're not thinking with their brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at this inflation, what it's doing to this country, and what it's doing to the middle class and lower class is just outrageous. People can't afford to put meat on the table, eggs, or, you know, the simple things because of inflation, and it's all manufactured by the policies of Biden. So it didn't come out of nowhere. It didn't just happen. This was done purposely. Um, now, is he, does, does he want to bring down this country? I don't know. He's doing a hell of a good job of it. Na, na, na.